Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bob. Ah, you're awful. <laughs> and A.J. Applegar. Sin Shu Chu. It's a mouthful. All right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me as usual, A.J. Applegarth. How's it going, man? That I ha- I have recovered. I'm uh, I'm three quarters of the way there. At least my voice is. I feel physically fine, but uh, my uh, my voice is not back all the way. A little bit too much yelling over all the people all weekend long at the Fantasy Football Expo. I'm sporting the shirt. Uh, Me too. Yeah, it looks like you are too. I figured <laughs> yeah. I figured that was gonna happen, but I just rolled with it anyway. I, yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a good time. Great to meet a lot of people, and uh, yeah, that you know we've had on the show multiple times. Some of them, uh, you know, and then yep. make new connections as well. So yeah, I had a great time, and, and hopefully able to do it again next year. Uh, maybe not lose my voice. So uh, anyway, yeah, and then yeah, and then maybe other <laughs> things as well. But uh, all right, we will. Uh, we're going to be talking some fantasy football draft strategy, getting everybody ready as draft season, you know, for most is approaching, you know, everybody's had, you know, maybe a bunch of best balls and some, you know, some really early draft dynasties, et cetera, like that. Uh, but a lot of us, the, the bulk of our leagues are coming up in these next few weeks. So uh, we're going to focus on that these next few shows and get you all ready for sure. Uh, but let's jump into our beer of the week first. Beer. All right, AJ, what you got? Well, I'm drinking uh, one that our lovely producer Jeff has traded with us for the weekend. Uh, it is called Wawa Rainbows. Uh, it is a double hazy pale ale brewed with citra, cascade, and mosaic hops from our friends at Little Beaver Brewing. Yeah, that was a good one. Mine didn't make it home, if you can figure out how well the weekend went for me. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I I noticed that. (laughs) You tried to Bogart one of mine, and that wasn't happening. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I am drinking a brew from a good friend of the show, uh, Chris Allen. And um, he gave us a a little growler full of his beer, and it is a, uh, a milkshake IPA called I Am Fruit. Which is nice. a really great name, actually. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I'm not a big fan of milkshake IPAs, but uh, kudos to Chris. This is uh, this is good stuff, man. Um, it's a you know, it's not too heavy on the milkshake like the lactose, you know, that that a lot of these milkshake IPAs have, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cheers, and let's let's get going, man. Cheers. 
All right. Um, big show tonight. A guy we met at the expo is joining us, Mr. Bob Harris from Football Diehard, Sirius XM, you name it, he's there. Um, how's it going tonight, Bob? Fantastic. Any better? I'd have to mess something up just to keep the karma intact, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. man. Um, so it was great meeting you at the uh, in Likewise. the gold jacket room, and uh, I think we ran into you at the Saturday night party as well here and there. Entirely um, possible. Yeah, lots of people. It's hard to it's keep hard track. Not right? to run into people at that event. There <laughs> yeah, was, so there was an event Saturday. <laughs> hey, AJ might not remember no scout. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do. Of course, I do. But no, it was, it was good times, and um, yeah, glad uh, glad you agreed to come on to to let everybody get some insight from you and to for some fantasy football draft strategy is what we're going to be doing here. So um, let's just jump right into it. And I think the the first place to start here is, you know, just kind of generic question, you know, take this how you will just, you know, you hear this a lot. Like you get callers in the Sirius XM, you know, we've get, I get questions left and right. It's like, Oh, I've got the fourth pick. Like who, what should I do? Like, do you ever have kind of a maybe not like a set play like oh I have to do this but do you ever go into a draft thinking like this is really what I want to do yeah, and I mean, you know I think, you know I, I think every time you have like a vague plan in your mind and it's like the old Mike Tyson line we all have a plan until we get punched <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> absolutely so you know I mean for for me you know that is a, I, is a big thing Sorry, it was cutting out on me for some reason. So sorry to cut you off there if you were stalking. No. Did that happen to anybody else but me? <laughs> um, so sorry, I, I don't I don't know. AJ, did it cut off for you too? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Bob. I don't know if you can try I, to repeat that a little bit because sure. you cut off like a sentence into it. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, you, you, we all have a plan when we go in and you know it's going to change. You're going to have to first contact with the enemy, as they say in the military, is is when things start going awry. And that's the same thing in a fantasy draft. You have to be ready to adjust, adapt, and overcome it. And your ability to do that, like, you know, a lot of times, and I talk about this a lot, you have to divorce the emotion from the process, right? Right. Because you'll be in a draft and you'll have a player in your crosshairs and he goes a pick or two before and you're going, oh, no. You don't have a backup in (laughs) mind because you're so locked in on that one player. So I think that's the thing. The, The real plan for me is always try to be fluid and flexible, have a handful of players, you know, on a short list in front of me. Don't put them in the queue, though. That makes sure they get taken. Everyone knows that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, know just have that, that ready list in your mind of <laughs> players that you're falling back. Like when I'm sitting there and drafting, assuming I'm not like hosting a show at the same time or trying to do too much multitasking, which happens. <clears throat> you, I always try to have a handful of players, you know, kind of in descending order in my head of what I'm going to do if I'm going to have to pivot. I think that's the key is being ready to pivot. And making logical choices instead of emotional choices, because I've done both, right? And and it turns right, out right, we all have work a lot better. I yeah. think one of the big things for me is, <clears throat> you know, you're coming around, and you know, you might have what you, you might be five, six picks away, and you're like, all right, I just want one of these three or four running backs right. to fall to me or receivers, and they all go, and then you panic because you got a minute and a half at best, right? right? You panic and you go, you just take the next best running back to the next yep. best receiver, and then. 
that probably is the worst thing you could have done because that person is actually like so much less in value, in my opinion, than like the receiver or the opposite position, you know, that you could have taken. And, you know, receiver and running back is the easiest one to talk about. You could have pivoted to the quarterback or whatever, but like that's something you've got to think about. And, and, you know, one of the other like kind of side questions I had with this is, you know, that kind of goes along with the plan that people have is they, they're a little too sucked in by like either just ADP or by like rankings. And sometimes you've got to, I mean, team composition to me is one of the biggest things you have to have coming out of a draft. Um, and so you can't just go straight by ADP. You've got to, you've got to, you gotta you gotta flip to you know maybe the opposite of what you wanted just to get the right value. Um, Understanding the people you're drafting with is part of that as well. I mean, if you know you're drafting a Sandy Barons and he's going to go with a, some kind of modified zero RB, maybe he gives you a little flexibility, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, and you're if you're drafting your homies, I think one of the advantages I feel I have, and probably you guys do the same, is we're in so many drafts, you know. I've, yeah, 50 plus drafts right i've had a chance You're to experiment I, every me, draft but... <laughs> doesn't have to be the same right so yeah. i can say hey i'm going to try this draft or i'm going to take a you know wide receiver earlier i'm going to you know a lot of travis kelsey first round how does that play out you know to the point where you know deciding when to take travis kelsey in the first round if i'm going to take him in the first round if i take him at six wow i'm probably looking at clyde edwards alaire as the best running back on the board i'm not sure i want that so maybe i don't take him if it's six maybe i wait till seven or eight you know and i mean you have a chance to fine tune and make those adjustments if you draft a lot. If you're only one draft or you're a couple, you know, you're down to a couple leagues, you know, you really need to dial it in and shoot your shot and maybe do some mock drafts before you some of the draft simulators out there to get a feel for how they how things play out. Um, but I think that's I always feel like that's my advantage, right? I'm drafting in so many drafts, I've tried everything because I want to be able to, you know, advise people over the course of time. I'm sitting there talking, yapping on the radio and doing stuff, and people are asking questions. I want to have, you know, experienced some of that. And it's the same thing when you're setting lineups in season, right? I want to have made most of those decisions or or had to think of a lot of decisions. So uh, the, that shotgun approach, so to speak, you know, being able to say, well, yeah, I'm, no. going this. I'm going to try whatever the hell I want now. And yeah. it gives me a little more liberty to, to, to try different things in drafts. I do think also your draft position kind of, you know, determines a lot of that. I mean, drafting first overall, I feel like I have a lot of, flexibility i feel i feel free to to do things after that i get christian mccaffrey that i wouldn't normally do right like maybe i don't need that running back right away maybe i can do a quarterback and a tight end or something like that and and i feel like i'm in front of things where if i'm drafting at 12 or 14 if you're in a bigger league or 10 i feel like maybe my hand is forced a little bit because um you know you have that mentality that guy's not making it back to me so maybe you reach a little bit more uh at at that end of the draft but but all these things kind of come into play so all these are part of a plan and all these plans tend to crumble as soon as you start drafting and other people start taking players or players are available to you that you didn't expect and and i think that's the key to this is is doing enough and simulating and maybe drafting enough and maybe people might want to try that i mean i do tons of best ball and i think for the most part they're very similar to a regular draft it's certainly the first you know handful of rounds uh, you know, it's later when you start getting into some of the, you know, the more best ball. Uh, specific yeah. Kind of players, yeah. You know? So I think and, and there's money on the line. So people are drafting seriously. So right. I just think that's the key is being comfortable going into a draft and being confident that you have a pretty good understanding of where what values are. And uh, and I realize that's not for everyone. And if you're not everyone, you can look at ADP. ADP is a guide. It tells you when players are going. It's not telling mm-hmm. you when to take them because if you want them, 
you need to jump ADP, right? So if there's players you really, and it's okay, right? Yeah. It's okay to jump ADP is not yeah. like a, you know, the, the Sanskrit the, you know, t- template or whatever. You, you can do whatever the hell you want, right? And, but it's telling you, hey, this is where this guy's usually going. If you want to make sure you get this player, draft him a little before then. Yeah, just because you won the ADP battle in your draft does not mean you did well. (laughs) No. Not at all. So, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the best ball thing. You know, the the one thing I'll say about best ball that I've noticed, especially on underdog, is that the receivers are going way earlier and, like, in huge clumps uh, in the rounds, like, two through five, more so than I expect to happen in most home drafts. I feel yeah. like the running backs are going to be round one, two, three, four, like, for the most part, like we've yeah. seen in I've years past, of, too. But, well, you know. I've kind of seen an evolution on that over the course, you know, in the early drafts. So I start drafting maybe a little before the NFL draft. But let's, let's just take the, the starting of the NFL draft. Um, yeah. You know, people were hammering running backs. I mean, you'd have yeah. 20 running backs coming out off in the first two rounds. Uh, and now, I mean, it's kind of normalized and dialed back and become a little bit more, I guess you want to say regular, where you're seeing Travis Kelsey back in the first round. You're seeing Devontae Adams, now that Aaron Rodgers' mystery, beautiful mystery is solved for the short term. Tyreek Hill sneaking back in. And, yep. and, and more more wide receivers, a lot more wide receivers going in the second round. So people have kind of, you know, again, I think that's kind of an emotional thing early on. Yeah, the FOMO, you know, I don't want to miss out on getting that running back, right? And so I think that's kind of alleviated as we get closer to the season. Yeah, absolutely. With that, with that being said, you, you talk about where certain positions are going in, you know, certain rounds. Is there a specific draft spot that you prefer this year? And if um, so, I've why? I've kind of liked them all. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I mentioned the end. I feel like my hand is forced a little bit. It's been forced in a good way. Um, yeah. Having that last pick and first pick, I always feel great about my teams because probably I have Christopher McCaffrey. And then I end up getting a lot of Darren Waller and then I take a high end wide receiver and then I wait and, you know, there's some, there's some value at running backs that I think, you know, is we're starting to feel a little more comfortable with, um, you know, not the clear path to workload kind of guys, but the guys with enough that you feel okay drafting them because you have Christian McCaffrey. And, uh, and so in the middle hasn't bothered me too much either. I felt, I felt pretty good about pretty much the wide range. I don't want that, you know, there's like a, the third to fifth, you know, area. You have to make that decision at third, and I think I make a different decision every time. You know, whether it's Elliot, Henry, Camara, you know, I mean, you can make an argument for a handful of guys, and I think I've diversified a lot when I've had that third pick overall. And then I kind of let that third pick dictate if I have the fourth or fifth. That third pick kind of dictates that. Uh, I'll say, you know, in this business or what I do with the magazines, especially, you know, one of our big things is, oh, pick a first round bus. Well. I don't think anyone's going to bust, right? I mean, you know, I think at that point, I'm, I'm not planning on anyone. Why do I want to do that to myself short. and everybody else? <laughs> right. So, so I kind of like have, I've kind of like threaded that needle into like, you know, how do I split a hair? Like, you know, like I've come up with, you know, I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to be a bust. I'm totally drafting him. Also, I don't know he doesn't have a quarterback who's thrown 28% of his targets to running backs over the last four years and that Alvin Kamara's fantasy value has been dependent on the fact he has at least 100 targets except for the season he got 97 in all four of those years, right? I mean, <clears throat> so if you're splitting a hair between him and let's say Derrick Henry or or Ezekiel Elliott or whoever you like there, you could kind of make your, you know, I always kind of say you tell yourself a story, right? I could tell myself a story where it's not the, the, the high end out. And the other side of that coin, I could also sit here and say, wow, the, the Saints are probably going to have to run more. Maybe this is uh, Alvin Kamara's backfield, right? He's going to have to do like a real running back and, and produce on the ground. And he's capable. He's a huge scoring threat. So 
But I think those yeah. are the kind of you're kind of doing that hair splitting early in the first round, or at least I am. And and kind of if I can avoid that, and maybe in the second half of the first round when things are a little more clear to me, or I feel a little more comfortable with how they play out, then I'm fine with that. Yeah, and I mean that's a great example with Kamara because on our ride home, all uh, what what was it, Joe? Like 18 hours it felt like. Uh, oh wait, I <laughs> yeah. drove. So yeah, yeah. still uh, felt like 18 six. hours. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. I literally jumped into like six uh, underdog leagues over this weekend, and they're, they're all still going. So um, I looked at picks, and it was splitting a hair between Derrick Henry or Kamara, and right. I just trust Henry more. I know Kamara was amazing last year um, with what he had. Granted, there was no Michael Thomas there. It might not be Michael Thomas there for much of this year, even though he's a head of schedule. Um, but I, I went with Henry because it was it was the known quantity that's been that consistent yeah. player. And, and Kamara has been a very consistent top-end running back as well. I just don't know what's happening with that quarterback situation. Um, you know, the receivers behind Michael Thomas are all – you know, up and coming guys, in my opinion, I do like some of their their upside, but they're they're not really anybody I'm going after heavily because who knows? You know, I think you know, part of that high, end, high end, yeah, part of that high end though comes from the fact that Kamara has 80 catches every damn year, right? Right. So I think that's <laughs> yeah. you know one of the concerns <clears> for <throat> me is, is is that you know, look, it's still a Sean Payton offense, and they're going to want to do True. Sean Paytony things. And that's going to include Alvin Kamara catching lots of passes as the quarterbacks. I mean, I think Jameis Winston in a different offense, right? But he doesn't seem like a guy that's looking to go throw short, right? And, no. and I think his target share to, during his time as a starter in Tampa was like 18% or 19% target share to running backs. And then you go to Taysom Hill, and we all saw how that worked out last year. Maybe that changes, and I think it did when Michael Thomas wasn't off the, on the field. So, But again, we're sitting here splitting a hair. I, I'm, with, I'm with AJ. Like, you know, when I look at Derrick Henry – Look, I hear the argument, man. It's been a heavy workload. He's not going to get another 2,000 yards. I know. It's okay. I don't need yeah, those 2,000 right. yards. I'll take 15. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I'll also, take his I watch him, 1992. <laughs> I'll still be happy. <laughs> and, and I don't feel like he's, you know, like a regular running back. You'll be surprised to learn he's a very large man. And, he, uh, you know, <laughs> watching him run, he tends to deliver a little more than he takes in my estimation. And I've heard this, you know, something Eddie George who knows more about it than I do has said the same thing. Yep. And, and that's, you know, so that's how I'm splitting that hair. These, these are the stories we tell ourselves as we're trying to make these selections and trying to divine the upside between two guys that have a ton of upside. Yeah, I just usually have a quarter with me and I flip heads or tails and figure out which one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Only a few times. So huge fan of the coin toss. <laughs> if I had that time in drafts, no. Yeah. Um, all right. So, all right, so in, in drafts, like let's stick to the early rounds because uh, you know that's a lot of what people focus on still. Uh, do you tend to draft running backs or receivers as your first guy in most drafts this year? It tends to be running backs. I mean, it, because I'm old and that's how we did that in 1986, <laughs> and that's how I still do it now. It's still 1986 in my head. So, um, but I look, it's the position, it's the scarcity, right? I mean, that's still mm-hmm. a thing. And, and, you know, 
I harp on this. I want a clear pass to workload. There's a lot more receivers that have clear pass to workload. There's wide receiver ones for teams that are going in double digit rounds, right? After mm-hmm. wide receiver three for a team. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying I want to mine some of that value later in drafts. And I feel pretty comfortable doing that. And 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 obviously, you know, it doesn't work out every time. And when it doesn't, I spent double digit draft capital on them. I move on. You know, guys that emerge, right? I mean, you keep hearing all these great things about Adam Humphreys right now. I saw one local observer predicting, you know, probably a bold prediction piece or something. So don't hold anyone to it. But you know, <laughs> don't be surprised if Adam Humphreys has more catches than Curtis Samuel. I won't be surprised, right? He has a relationship <clears throat> with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sure. Curtis Samuel yeah. hasn't been on the field all summer. He's dealing with groin issues. I don't know if they're going to use him. To, you know, in that same coaching staff, granted, they had Christian McCaffrey on the field, but they never used him, right? In Carolina, they didn't make that kind of usage we saw last year. So, I mean, you can sit here and 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 make you know i'm like i'm not saying go draft adam humphreys over curtis samuel i'm just saying if it doesn't work out with curtis samuel there's another bus going to be leaving the station right so and with all these players that i'm drafting in the double digit rounds i'm i'm going to be quick to move on if it's not working out yeah yeah i'm with you i I usually go running back first um i have you know especially once you get past you know the first half ish of the first round it's it's hard to pass up on like the Devontae Adams and, and even it the digs at that level and you know Kelsey and we'll get into some of the tight ends a little later. But you know, those guys are super tempting that high up because their total point value is going to be enormous compared to, you know, some of those later first half of the first round running backs that you're gonna get who at that point they're all question marks. You know, everybody in our I think most people's minds the first like four or five running backs are all we feel pretty good about. After that, it's like, yeah, I mean, we we like them, but <laughs> you know, so yeah. that's when you get into the receivers, in my opinion. You can mix and match them throughout that rest of the first round, um, right? And, I think and, you, and you're probably going to be could, fine. You know, you're looking for that. You know, I mean, it's not DFS in season long, but it is week to week battles. And if you get a tight end that gives you leverage over the field. Travis Kelsey does that like nobody else yep. in his position at any position. I think Darren Waller's in that same league, you yep. know, or right up in that same tier. I kind of, you know, clearly Kelsey's a top and, you know, he's getting older. So if you want to wait a little bit and grab Waller and George Kittle also could be in that yeah. tier. He's just got to stay on the field. Yep. And there's also, you know, I mean, I could split the hair and say there's some emerging receiving weapons. I love Brandon Ayuk. Maybe my love for Ayuk is, uh, is driving me a little bit off. Uh, Kittle, because if I don't get Kittle in round three, I'm going to get Mark Andrews in round five, maybe. And I'm okay with that too, because he's the best wide receiver in Baltimore, apparently, according to Lamar Jackson. So, uh, so I guess, you know, with all the injuries, (laughs) yeah, right. Uh, You know, so I, I just, yeah, right now, certainly, but I mean, he has been, he's been the leading receiver on that team. And I think his touchdown total over the last, what, two, three years has been, I think only seven players have more touchdown catches than Mark Andrews. So I can, you know, you know, there's a price for everybody, but, but for me, the wide receiver, there just seems to be so much value later. Uh, look, I'm, I've drafted Devonte Adams in round one. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not my normal approach. It's something I do to diversify a little bit. Yeah. And it changes the rest of your draft strategy. But since you touched on tight ends, I, I do want to switch over to this real quick. You know, there, there's a lot of people, you know, who swear by taking Kelsey and Waller, you know, early, uh, sometimes Kittle, as you alluded to. Uh, Kelsey's going easily at the end of the first round in every draft I've been in so far. Um, Waller's, you know, mid to late second round and then Kittle's third round. You know, do you, you know, 
are you one of those guys who will take them because of the value that they give you? Yeah. Are you do are you like targeting them? I'm targeting them if at the right place in the draft. Like I'm not taking Travis Kelsey in the first half of the first round. Okay. I'm usually waiting until after the seventh pick. If I get that like pick, eight, I'm nine, ten that. is where I'm looking at him. Sure, absolutely. I, I'm not gonna even go seven and come back around, and I'm fine with Najee Harris or Joe Mixon if that's what I end up at running back. Uh, sometimes I do a little better than that because if somebody, you know, Devontae Adams goes and maybe Tyreek Hill goes, you know, I mean, you couldn't see running backs push down a little bit. So that's always possible. But yeah, I'm not averse to giving you grabbing the player that seriously gives you the leverage over the field like nobody else at his position. Yeah, it, you know, we're we're also baseball guys. It's almost like taking that catcher early a little bit who's like just so dominant. You just never have to worry about it because the rest of them are sort of, Bleh. And uh, so speaking of bleh, tight ends, the rest of them, again, are kind of – there's sure. a few who everybody likes every year. You know, Hogginson's a guy that everybody likes this year, but huge question marks there. You know, Mark Andrews, there's question marks there a little bit too just because they brought in more receivers, and you never really know what's going to happen with that. He's so touchdown dependent, in my opinion, too. That's hard yeah. to trust. Um, <clears throat> but there's other guys. You know, Tunyon had a huge year last year. Logan Thomas had a huge year last year. I- Right. So it's hard. It's hard to rely on some of those guys. You know, Thomas, he's got Fitzpatrick now throwing the ball who you talked about how, um, you know, Winston didn't like throwing to the running backs. Fitzpatrick hates throwing to his tight ends. So it's like, can we trust that? It's like a bunch of dink and duckers there last year, quarterback. And so JD McKissick has 110 targets. Logan Thomas has 100 targets. Right. I I don't know that that's going to be the case this year. So, like, out of the rest of these guys, you know, if you do miss on those top three, you know, who do you like? like, And and how far are you waiting to take your next tight end, I guess, is really what it's coming down to. Yeah, I I kind of do, too. I'll I'll wait till crazy late, right? You know, if I end up – so, I mean, I like Adam Trotman a little bit, but even the price is rising to the point where I don't really like him so much anymore. People are getting Uh, crazy on him. Right, people are getting a little crazy on him, so – um, but there's a handful of guys down at the bottom end. I mean, Irv Smith is a guy that still appeals to me an awful lot, but the price yes. is rising on him as well. Um, but it's still pretty reasonable, and I think you could take a chance on either of the Patriots' tight ends or whichever one's healthy as we head into the season. I'd be okay with that. I mean, Patriots, turns out, they've been able to use two tight ends to their advantage in the past. Maybe they can do it again. I don't know. Same same crew, uh, yeah. different tight ends, but pretty talented players. So. And also, you know, you look at Cam Newton, I'm assuming he's going to be starting. He had a strong night tonight against the Eagles, or at least an efficient night But while, while he was in the game. But whichever quarterback it is, the tight end is going to be the quarterback's best friend, especially if it is Cam Newton, who, I don't know, has he completed a long pass since week two in Seattle last year? I don't know. <laughs> who knows? So, uh, you know, so I can talk myself into those, but you're always going to feel like you're not getting the right one, right? I always feel like, damn it, I'm going to, I know I'm going to miss on this. Yeah, um, so my big guy last year was was Hayden Hurst, and I reached for him a couple rounds earlier and burned me. But yeah, one of my guy this year who is who slipped because of his performance last year is Mike Kosecki. Um But yeah. he's going right around the end of that tight end one, early tight end two. Like he's going right there, and I feel like that's just enough value for me to to kind of buy in if I miss those top guys that, that I like a lot I like, more. So like Eric Ebron's tight end twenty six. I don't think Pat Fryerman is gonna cut into his playing time that much. I mean I'm just you know, not so really sure Ebron's I, I think, doing anything, so 
I'll pass on that. Speaking of touchdown dependent, (laughs) right? I'm just fine streaming at that point if that's how it works. Yeah, you'll find one eventually, like a Logan Thomas and a Tunyon. So why not? So I hear you. I hear you. Just punt it and figure it out. You know, a couple weeks. Guys were awesome streamers who turned into I can't drop them. (laughs) So, but speaking of can't drop, (laughs) let's talk about some handcuffs. Um, You know, we'll we'll flip back to uh, drafting running backs first. Uh, instead of receivers, if you are in that earlier portion of the draft and you're going to go ahead and hit that, uh, you know, that running back, are you set for a while and then trying to handcuff? Do you agree with handcuffs or no? I don't disagree with handcuffs, I'm a, but it, I, I think it's a little more nuanced than that. Like, so I, first of all, I have to believe the person I'm handcuffing is a true plug and play, you know, option right for the team like i think tony pollard is that right now pretty clear cut i think maybe maybe madison is this year i don't know it turned out he wasn't so much last year so yeah. the, the problem that it's like uh, it's kind of like there's a little trigonometry involved here it's the yeah is the price i'm is the is the handcuff premium worth the range of out possible outcomes right and it's kind of a kind of a you know a, kind of just kind of a feel thing and so a lot of times for me it's not worth it like right now I think Chuba Hubbard's priced pretty adequately. Am I 100% sure he's a handcuff? No, but the price is not so crazy that I have to be that concerned about it. So I think those are the kind of those are the kind of handcuffs I'm looking for. I mean, I'd love to have them. I mean, I'd love to have the guy, but but are we yeah. sure? Like you know, if uh, if one of these top frontline players goes down, like let's say you get Najee Harris, who is the handcuff? I don't know. Am I going to invest heavily in in Snell? Is, is he going to share with Anthony McFarland? Is Jalen Samuel going to ruin both of them? I don't know. Those are the ones I kind of want to avoid. I mean, last last year with McCaffrey, I mean, I don't know that any of us really thought Mike Davis was a plug-and-play option, right? I mean, we knew he'd probably be back there, but you were getting him for free if you drafted him. So, I yeah. mean, that's kind of the equation I go through <laughs> in my mind is, like, what am I paying and what do I think I'm getting? And what do I think the team, how does the team view this player? Is he really a, a true plug and play option? Like I'm all in on Chris Carson. I love Chris Carson almost as much as Pete Carroll and nobody loves him more than Pete Carroll. <laughs> um, and that's why I love him. Right. I mean, but, but, but is there anyone who I can consider a handcuff? I mean, I think they'd love it to be Rashad Penny. I don't know if it can be Rashad Penny. Yeah. Right. So I just avoid it if that's the case. And so, yeah, right. you know, usually you're only handcuffing those frontline players, but let's say Jonathan Taylor, Am I sure Marlon Mack is going to get enough of the workload where he's going in the draft to overcome the presence of Naheem Hines, who I think would play a bigger role as well? I mean, he plays yeah. a pretty big role already. I'm just going with Taylor, and and I'm okay with it, right? And I'm trying to find some other standalone players later in drafts. And there's there's guys I like as standalone players, you know, heading into the double-digit rounds that are a little bit of dart tosses, but they're double-digit players, and I'm okay moving on from them. <clears throat> Yeah. So with, with that being said, it's, I agree on the Heinz thing. I, I'm a huge Naheem Heinz guy uh, was last year and he was probably one of the only players that actually produced for me. I did not have a good year. Um, <laughs> so, but if you do go running back first, then again, you know, when would you usually take your second one? Is it, do you stick with that early round two to four or are you, are you all about agreement of, this is the running back dead zone. I want nothing to do with these guys. I'm just going to, you know, wait. No, they're, every, everyone has value. Everyone has value if they're at the right spot. So even that range of third to fourth to early fifth round players, 
I'm fine taking. I think we're I think we're overstating the Kenyon Drake impact on say Josh Jacobs. I yeah. think uh, you know there there are players in that you know there's that knot of Jacobs range players. You know we've all been talked out of DeAndre Swift who has helped that talk by <sighs> missing practice until today basically with a groin injury and. You know, you're hearing Jamal Williams is uh, is a great play, and you know we we can get into that a little bit too. You know, with Anthony, with uh, Anthony Lynn saying, "Yeah, he's a he's a my typical Type A back." Jamal Williams, the guy. <laughs> and yeah. I'm saying sure he is, but but Austin Eckler was a mean, typical Anthony? Type B. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know that that's the thing. Austin Eckler is a Type B back, and he yeah. was the guy to have in fantasy. So you know, I'm not putting too much stock into that, but but you know, when you get to that range, I mean. J.K. Dobbins, I like him a lot. I think he's a great player. Also, I think Lamar Jackson is still going to be the best running back on that team because he picks the choice runs. I think they want him to run less. I'm a little more on Dobbins this yeah. year, but I, I think that would be the problem in Buffalo as well. I mean, the quarterback's the best running back on the team, certainly in the near the goal line. So, you know, I think those are some of the issues that I'm looking at. But or I'm fine taking two running backs in the first two rounds. I do it often uh, when the when the value is there. I think uh, I did a best ball just recently where, you know, just based on the news of the day, you know, the things that were going on, Saquon Barkley, the report came out that he might not play until week three, then the injuries in Indy. I got Barkley and Taylor at the 12-13 turn, right? And I think, wow, I'm going to be pretty happy with this at some point this season. <clears throat> and if it's not right away, I'll cobble something together and make it work down the stretch. I just have to, you know, have some success early. So I'm big on taking running backs early. If I come out of the first four rounds with three running backs, I'm okay with it. And if one of the other players is a tight end, I'm okay with that as well. I mean, if my wide receiver one is Robert Woods, all right, I can figure this out. I can, you know, I can, I can cobble along. And I think something, you know, we do as we build our, as we build our rosters, as we look at what we've done early and you kind of, you can, you know, there's enough different flavors of wide receiver. Do I need a high catch total guy? Sure. I can get that. Do I need a big play guy? I can get that as well. I mean, mm. there's, a, there's a wide range of types of players you can get, and you can build in, you know, that kind of, you know, deal with risk at one position group by building another position group to compensate for it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, you brought up a guy like Robert Woods where, yeah, he may not finish wide receiver one for the full nope. season, but he's going to have plenty of wide receiver one weeks. And, you know, you mix in, you know, even, a, you know, three wide receiver league, you mix in, you right. know, a bunch of those guys who can just mix and match, you know, you play the yep. right matchups and yeah, you got to, you know, you're going to have to hit, you know, right on a few weeks, but like it can work. Um, right. def definitely. Um, so on the flip side of this, you know, if, if you do go wide receiver early, um, are you more likely to wait on your running backs and just keep loading up on running backs? Like, you know, I guess this is more of the, are you a zero running back, you know, guy, you know, do you believe in that? If, if you, if you go our receiver early or at least no, some version of it, like maybe, maybe like a modified version of it at least. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, getting that anchor running back in the first, you know, two, three rounds. So, so I want at least one back with, with a true clear path to workload. If I get that, I mean, you know, that's kind of the hero running back instead of the zero. You get that one star yeah. player that you feel pretty confident in, then you you know, build out from there. I mean, I think that's doable. It's not my, not necessarily my desired approach, but I've done it, and I, you know, I mean, I think I guess at the end when you when you're looking at your drafts, what did I feel best with, right? Hmm. What what teams do I feel the most comfortable with? It's usually teams that I've gone. Uh, you know, running backs. I come out of the first three rounds with two running backs. I think those teams I feel more comfortable with. 
Um, but I've had good teams. I mean, I, I just did one where I, I talked about going Devontae Adams first. And I ended up with a pretty good team. I got a couple of running backs after him. I think I might have gone quarterback kind of early in that. And I think, you know, the thing about quarterbacks is is they've become kind of a utility play for me, right? When I get to a point in the draft where I don't like the value of the players that I'm looking at, I don't like any of these guys. Ah, there's 100%. a quarterback uh, for your needs. And there's kind of those quarterbacks at every level of the draft, right? And so I can kind of just pivot there. And if it's in the fourth or fifth round, if it's the sixth round, oh, I'll take a Dak Prescott, these. Thank you very much. And, you know, <laughs> or whoever it is. I mean, they're, but there are quarterbacks at every level of the draft that I feel comfortable drafting when I get to a point where I don't like any of these guys, right? And I mean, I think we've all sit there. You, Man, nothing is leaping out at me right now. Uh, so, oh, quarterback. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's 100%. That's, that's a beautiful segue into our next question. Um, <clears throat> it just a, a quick sidebar before that. I, I literally put it out on Slack earlier today because I had no quarterback. I had, I think, three really good running backs. Could have closed out running back with possibly Mike Davis, Devonta Williams. Um, and I already had Keenan Allen. And the group's like, yeah, now go Mike Williams. I was like, hmm, yeah, okay. They're like, you can t- totally stack it with with Her- uh, Herbert. You know, uh, there was already Russ and Dak on the board ahead of that. So I was like, well, yeah, I can definitely – he should be there because those two guys are there and, and the one guy's already got Mahomes. Well, that guy ended up taking Russ on his turn. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, so thanks. But – Getting back to the question at hand here, so which of the following quarterback tiers do you like to take your quarterback? Are you more of the the top tier Mahomes Allen, uh, that like next tier down with Rodgers Wilson, or are you just sitting and waiting on a, a Tannehill or Brady range a little later? I'm I'm fine with all of those. Like I mean, honestly, it's tr- it's almost entirely dependent on finding a spot in the draft where I don't like the values at the other positions. If I don't yeah. like the value of running back, wide receiver, tight end, wouldn't, and, I, and those are positions in need, I will just turn to quarterback. And all those tiers. I see the tiers a little differently than you. But, I mean, whatever it is, I, I think there's, there is a, there is a quarterback waiting for you wherever you like them. Uh, yeah. Throughout the round. And that goes in well into the double-digit rounds, right? So, I mean, I think even more recently, I'm seeing a lot of people take, you know, especially in industry drafts where people want to look like the smartest person in the room at the end of the year, right? You've seen a lot of Trey Lance going along before he has any business going, right? Because they're yeah. taking the chance. And then, but it's a, a strategy I've used for a hundred years now, literally a hundred years. Um, the, uh, the, you know, the steady Eddie, you get an upside player early and then you take that steady guy later. Matt Ryan is sitting there well into the drafts. I mean, and if he's not, Kirk Cousins is. And if Kirk Cousins is not, Derek Carr is. Where did Derek Carr finish last year? Quarterback 12, quarterback 14? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean I'm there, gonna I'm gonna cobble something there. together at that position no matter where I draft. Yeah. And and I mean the the Lance is a, a great example because A, he just needs to have his PR guy find ABBA and have them rewrite the song to take a chance on Lance. And yes. everybody already is though. It's like, hello, what are what are right. you doing? Totally. How are you drafting this guy, hmm. not even knowing if he's gonna start the season off right. of that? And then go into this, or or know, at all. I mean, in his case, I mean, you can make the argument for Justin Fields. Like, there's no way he's not starting at some point. For Trey Lance, yeah. I mean, the 49ers are built to make a playoff run. If they're winning with Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo is still going to be the quarterback. Yeah, of course, I don't think you know, he's getting I mean, benched. 
And if he right, does, right. so, I mean, damn, that's just the story of his career. It's like you right, learn from right. the so, goat on the bench, and then you did something. You got to a Super Bowl. You had some health issues, so you know I get that they need to to try to get someone else in there. But if he's playing well, he knows that offense. He's a good quarterback. He's consistent. There's no reason to take him out. Right. This, this coaching staff is not on the hot seat, but they need to get, they need some success. They need some playoff success. They need to get yeah. into the playoffs this year. And, yeah, and, definitely. and however they get there, if Jimmy Garoppolo is driving them that way, they're not going to make the change. We might see packages with Lance in there, you know, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. But Justin Fields is in a different boat, right? I mean, you know, the Bears, where are they going? I mean, you know, the fans I, are yeah. going, the fans are already, if I, if someone on my radio show, says, oh, we should wait, you know, no, shouldn't rush Justin Fields in. But my Twitter explodes with, that guy, shut him up. You know, I mean, people, the fans are going to go nuts. And so Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, they're a little bit under the gun there. So, I mean, if they're not winning, he's going to be in pretty quick. Not week one, because I'm playing him against Aaron Donald either, but but pretty quick. That's Jeff, our producer. He's the one blowing up your Twitter. He's a Bears fan. Just playing uh, I got him. <laughs> Jeff shaking his head. Sorry, you can throw you under the bus on here. You can't jump on and talk. Ha, just kidding. Uh, he'll jump in if I if I make fun of him enough. Um, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, I sort of you know I, I've done it in you know the myriad of, of best balls I'm in. Especially that's that's my most experienced drafting right now so far. Uh, but it's the same thing. You know, you take the guy when the value comes in. You know, I've been in the draft where I took two running backs very early, and then like there's a slew of receivers went, and I was like. Well, well, damn. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't like anybody left. So I took Josh Allen, and it was like the only right. share I have him in like ten in ten drafts. I got him in like the fifth round. It felt super late. I was like, well, fine. I'll, I'll yeah, sure, guys. Thanks. Click. Um, yeah. and it found some pretty good value elsewhere, and and been able to make up ground, you know, for not getting you know the top end receivers and running backs later. Like you can make it through. Like it's just again to the point of the very first question is. You have to be flexible. You've got to be able to adjust and, you know, change your strategy on the fly with whatever position. You can't go, oh, I'm going to, I have to take a quarterback late. You don't, you know, you can take one in the fourth round if the value is right, you know? So, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of very similar to one of my, my other random underdog leagues. I, I think my favorite team right now is my 1-8 team because I started off with Diggs. I immediately went Waller. Then I went back with Woods. So David Montgomery is my first running back. You know, solid. Okay. I mean, it's good. I, I, I like him. Uh, and then I just grabbed Allen. He was sitting there. I was like, well, he's not going to make it back to me. I'm going to just go with the stack now. You know, yep. it's best ball. So who cares? Yeah. You know, you just need somebody to score each week. So, so I wanted to jump into kind of a, you know, a, kind of a subtopic here of draft strategy and it's, you know, being risk adverse. And this is something that, that comes up. There's, there's a bunch of different ways to be risky and non-risky. And, you know, the, the first question for this is, you know, injured players. So we've got guys that get injured and they're going to return week one, week two, or maybe they'll be ready by week one, but they won't have a preseason or any camp. So they're going to be a little rough coming into the season or those guys that just have known injury history. Like, are these guys that you will, like, despite ADP or rankings or whatever you've got them, that you go, I'm going to take the guy under him because 
he doesn't have as much risk? Or are you willing to go and grab him and be like, the upside is so worth it? The upside is always worth it. So I am injury agnostic. I preach that loudly and proudly. Like, okay, so there's, you know, that doesn't count if you're already hurt. Like, I'm concerned about Saquon Barkley, but also I'm not concerned about Saquon Barkley. Like, if I make it into week five or six, that's that's the key is kind of, making a realistic assessment of what your expectations should be uh, of when someone who is hurt going into the season. So he's off the pup list. We've heard yeah. reports that it could be anywhere from week one to week three. If it's week one, maybe he's not his old Saquon self uh, until week four, week five. If he comes in week three, maybe we're getting into week eight, whatever. Um, so, you know, work that into your calculation. The thing about risk is you can insure yourself against risk within a position group as you draft. Right? If you take a chance on a player, you play it safer after that at that position. And maybe if you're play it really safe at one position, that gives you the leeway to be way riskier at, at another position. But like if it's wide receiver or whatever, I mean, you ha- you're drafting enough wide receivers that you can kind of balance the risk out within that position group. Uh, so think about it like that. So if I'm drafting a, a, a wide receiver that I have concerns about or I think you know, it's a little bit, you know, Cortland Sutton is a player I like an awful lot. Like, I'm not sure about his quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping the knee is is going to be fine, uh, you know. But but also I know that when he's healthy, he's the best player on that team. Uh, it's not even close. So I'm going to want to draft that, and I'm not going to worry about, the, you know. The, so it, football is a very rough game. You guys will be surprised to learn it's context. <laughs> People get hurt all the time. Um, it's, it's almost by design, right? And, and Do so, they have, like – upper body injury and they're out for two games or something like that like like anything hockey. like this can happen and the funny thing is, <laughs> like, is you know, <laughs> like the, so i think that like one of the things i look at with some players i mean you could talk i always talk about the physics of the game right like you know joints are still joints so even when dk metcalf is around them right and in fact when dk metcalf is around those joints he is putting torques and tensions and and doing things to those joints that ought not be done. Maybe that's why Calvin Johnson, his career ended a little earlier because when you're 6'5 and 230 pounds and you run a 4'240, it's like a dragster running up and down the drag strip, right? You get two times and the engine blows up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you kind of take these things into account when you're drafting. Take risks, though. Nobody remembers who came in second, right? That's, I think that's the thing. Unless it's I, I, you, could, you could make, tell yourself a different story. But in redraft, you know, play the upside i i agree with you to some degree uh i will say i am a little more i'm a little more risk adverse Uh, i do uh i'd like to take my risk a little later in drafts instead of early like i want the guys i want the guys who i know have a good floor but also some upside early like some guy is kind of banged up or has a little bit of an injury history. You know, I'm talking not just one year. I'm talking like multiple years. Like he's always been kind of banged up, but we're always still just hoping it's going to keep happening, you know, for him. I, I tend to pass on him for somebody who might be a little safer because later on I can go take the risk and it won't burn me as much. Um, that's how sure. I play it. But I mean, this is exactly why we had these kind of shows. There's, a thousand different opinions on this kind of stuff so that's and that's the fun of fantasy football it is your team you get to make these choices i make my choices right but also (laughs) i look back at the history of my time playing fantasy football i look at how many years a running back has won somebody a title that nobody drafted maybe it wasn't even on a team before they won you that title going back about when Gurley went late nobody wanted them (laughs) right i mean i mean we could go back through almost every single season 
and there's a running back who wasn't on a team that started the season or wasn't even in the mix, right? Or uh, nobody would draft them that ends up literally winning titles. And so I think yeah. these are the kind of things you need to be mindful of as you're drafting. Like, okay, Absolutely. I missed on Saquon. Well, there, there might be somebody else coming along. And yeah. so eventually I'm, I'm you got to take a chance. <laughs> right. right. I'm with you. You're going to still get a good running back. Right. Players that are already I, hurt. I mean, that's a, that's a different story to me. And, and you're, you know, you're kind of threading that needle of how you can, you know, what's the value versus what's the risk and how mm. can I mitigate that risk later in the draft? Can I even mitigate that risk? Uh, you know, and I look, I work with people like Jeff Manns is, I mean, when he drafts, he's looking for the least amount of downside in his first round. Right. And there was a time when he was drafting mm-hmm. Antonio Brown third overall during his heyday with the Steelers. And you can make a pretty good argument for that. Right. Because yeah. like that was no players, there's a lot of people that were huge. doing that. And I was on <laughs> right. that. Train, there's, there's, you know, so. there's nobody's going to come up, you know, more likely to meet, meet value than he is. So, I mean, I get that approach as well, and I'm okay with it. And I think we're all trying to do that in the first round. But when it doesn't work out, it often doesn't. Uh, you know, then then be ready and have some upside guys later on, or guys that might be in position to. Uh... Hopefully, Bob. Hopefully, Bob's back soon. We just yeah. cut out. Uh, there we go. There we go. How many leagues did right, James Robinson drafted in last year? And, and so, I mean, oh, you know, there's going to be there's going to be players available at some point. You've got to be ready to work the waiver wire, which I normally Absolutely. am not because I'm in too many leagues. I have to do better in the draft. But, <laughs> but uh, that's but why that's, best balls are friend, know, Bob. <laughs> right, but that's that's the thing about risk and injury risk is like everybody's kind of a risk. It's a rough sport. Yeah, it is totally. So there's another collection of guys and AJ. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of guys that uh, have not played in this league yet. I believe they call them rookies. So uh, yes, I mean that's that's like <laughs> just queued up perfectly for risk adverse in my mind. I mean, what do you what do you do with rookies? I, I don't want to say what are your thoughts on rookies because I mean that that can go any which way. But what do you do with your drafts and rookies? I probably don't draft them as much as everyone else. I mean, I, I mean, we're all pretty much in on rookie running backs, especially rookie running backs walking into clear workloads. I don't know that that happens as much as we like to think it happens. Um, I think Najee Harris is probably an exception to that this year, mm-hmm. and I'm drafting the hell out of him. I'm drafting the hell out of Javante Williams because he's a little cheaper, and and I think that there's a relatively clear path to workload. All due respect to Melvin Gordon, who. Uh, if you've ever sat down and talked with him, might be the most jacked human being on earth. He is, he, he is a powerful oh, looking dude. Um, but uh, besides, but yeah. he's also getting older and he's running and, and they've traded up for Javante Williams. So, I mean, but how many times do we see running backs that have high expectations? I'm looking at you, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I mean, last year, Damian Williams <laughs> opted out and they strapped the ADP rocket to his ass and off he went into the middle of the first round and, and promptly disappointed. So, I mean, not every, not every rookie running back. Cam Akers, it took him half the year to get in line. Here's the reason why. Because quarterbacks are expensive. They might cost you a half billion dollars to secure your quarterback for, you know. I mean, we see the contracts coming. You mm-hmm. have to be able to pass protect. That's not an easy feat in the NFL for running backs early on. It's complex. It's tricky. And sometimes running backs don't get it. Like even, you know. Joe Mixon's been around a while. He's not the best pass protector. Are you, you, you sure? I, I talked to Ben Baby from ESPN, and he said, look, at this point, five years into his career, it's kind of a choice, right? He's, yeah. he's He knows how to do it 
will he do it? And the, these are the things that keep you on the field, especially when your quarterback is Joe Burrow right now. So <clears throat> I, I think these are things you need to take into account with rookie running backs. And sometimes I know Mike Clay talks about this a lot on ESPN. And uh, every time I talk to him, you know, second year running backs are often the ones that really start to is the second year is when they really start to deliver, uh, you know, and fulfill their potential. So, I mean, they can do it. Well, Jonathan Taylor last year, who who I kind of viewed as the best running back coming in, I think by the end of the season he was. But it wasn't yeah. until the last five games of the year that he hit stride. And and some of that is due to the fact that they can't play full times. They're not they can't be three down backs because they can't pass protect. And I, it seems like Najee Harris is well on his way to that. I think Javante Williams is demonstrating that. But you know, and wide receivers, the Justin Jeffersons, that's not the norm. Right. So, I mean, how many yeah. players did we see last year? Henry Ruggs is saying, what about me? You know, so, yeah, he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, I was the first right. receiver drafted. And it's like, mm-hmm. and you got showed so, up. So, I mean, I'm fine <laughs> taking chances. Again, it goes back to building risk within position groups. And if I feel pretty confident in some of the players around him, or even if I draft them after, like if I'm drafting Jamar Chase, which I'm not doing a lot. But if I do, yeah. if I'm building around him the right way, then it doesn't matter if he comes up a little short. And that's, that's I think, the, the point with everything that I'm doing involving risk is I know it's a risk. Identifying that it's a risk. Like, like I'm fine. I'm injury agnostic. I will draft guys who get hurt. Also, I will draft guys who can help shore that up when he gets hurt. Right? So I think that there's something to be said for that. It's always mitigating the risk. And do it with rookies and rookie running backs. According to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, it might be a good idea not to uh, invest that middle of the first round pick on a guy who's never played. And we thought he was going to be a great pass catcher. I wonder why he wasn't on the field for all the passing downs. Maybe he couldn't pass. Yeah. Also, he couldn't do short yardage. Maybe he can get better at that. Andy Reid seems to have hopes, but I think he's priced a hell of a lot better this season and maybe in a better yes, position yeah. to succeed. So that's kind of yeah. my approach with rookies is, I- eh, okay, I will, but mm, don't have to. Yeah, I mean, my, my favorite thing with, Clyde Edwards Alaire is that I totally called him getting drafted God, on the every freaking draft. show. Yeah, every single time God. I have I just need to sit back and drink it. As soon as I have an in, I mean you could you could just somehow mm-hmm. throw in initials C and E and an H, not even in that order. And Jeff, like, you just oh, need to have yeah, that ticker that? ready like every yeah, show. Yeah. He uh, called me out during the draft show. Yeah. But so yeah, I think I, I'm, I have a question. If I could, is did sure, Sean yeah, actually make absolutely. That beer? Did he make that? Beer he did. He totally did. He yeah, does. he brews his own beer, Chris Allen. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. yeah, he brews a bunch of different stuff. So at the expo, we traded some brews, and yeah. uh, he brought a little growler for me and AJ. Um, one for each of us, I, yeah, and I, I think some other people as well. Yet I'm I'm actually waiting until tomorrow too, and I'm very excited now. So, and uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I was it, in general, it's good stuff, like, man. All right. Yeah, it's solid. Again, I'm not a big fan of the milkshake IPAs, but they they are pretty good. Yeah, I, my my quick thoughts about rookies, uh, and then I'll ask the the last, you know one of the last questions here is, I I do tend to kind of lean into the the running backs that get that I, I get sucked into that a little more. I wasn't buying into Ceh just because I didn't believe he was the best. Like, a great rookie running back prospect. Uh, I had other guys that I liked last year. I was all in on Cam Makers, and then yep. McVay just kind of screwed me and decided he wouldn't, didn't want to play him. He got a little hurt. Jonathan Taylor, I, I loved coming in, but you know Marlon Mack was there and, and Naeem Hines. But this is there was a lot of uncertainty with their landing spots. Naeem Hines or um, sorry, 
Najee Harris this year is in a prime landing yeah. spot. So like when the landing spot is as good as Najee Harris, like yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm all in early second round easily in my opinion. He he should be going. Um, the receivers I'm buying a little more in on for rookies. We've seen a lot of guys perform well um, late in the last couple of years. You know, it's still pretty risky. You still get guys like Rugs, and I wasn't a big believer of him last year. Um, you know, Lamb was a guy who I didn't totally expect to perform as well as he did, even yeah. with Dak possibly there all year, just because they had so many other weapons. But he was awesome. Uh, so. There's guys that have surprised me too, and so it's starting to make me go like, uh, these receivers are able to come in. Like it used to be like what year three that was always the thing, you know, like oh year three the receivers are the guy, and now maybe maybe they're starting to figure it out to where the running backs now need to pass protect, and they're having to take an extra year, you know, to, to figure it out. So, um, and the bad teams have really bad offensive right. lines a lot of times, so they, maybe they can't run. So it's just kind of like, whatever. Oh, yeah. it's, it's hard. So it's kind of flipping. Or just not up. on the field because they can't catch. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So the last question with risk adverse, you know, type of guys is it's kind of these, these boom bust guys. And, and, you know, we talk to Bob Long every year because he writes this awesome consistency guide. Consistency. And, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's awesome. And, and it's something I, I do believe in. You know, you know, not not you know 100% one way or the other, but I do believe in it. It's something I, I try to draft consistent guys more often than not. And so a guy like Mike Williams comes to mind, and we all love his talent, but he's got these like 40-point games and then like five or six like single-digit games and then another like 30-point game. It's like, what do you do five with these guys? How, yeah, that too. And <laughs> so like, what do you do with these guys in your drafts? Like when it's time for them to get picked, are you just kind of like, I'll take him and – Pray to God I could figure out the two weeks I should start him, or you just offer them in drafts normally. Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes I think it depends. I mean, you can tell yourself, like in Mike Williams' case, I mean, I'd like him to stay healthy, but I mean, there's been years where he was like a big yardage years. There's years when he had the big touchdown year, 2018 big touchdown year, 2019 big yardage year. Last year mm-hmm. wasn't great. Um, but, you know, you think about what the role they're talking about this year, which would be the X role, the Mike Thomas role. Uh, that you know, if you're projecting the Saints offense coming along with uh, Joe Lombardi, right, the new yeah. coordinator, so and you yeah. know, which is uh, you know, something works in Austin Eckler's favor as well. But I mean, he seems to have responded and done what they wanted him to do as part of the offensive scheme. The question is, can he stay healthy enough to stay on the field enough to fulfill you know, a bigger role? And also, Keenan Allen is there and will always be a target hog, right? So I mean, I'm okay with him where he's going. I think the price is right. I don't. I think you can take it. You know, you're kind of maybe he's a little risky, but you can also build around that and and kind of uh, mitigate that risk as well. Uh, and if you've drafted him before, you're familiar with that risk. And uh, and and so I think I'm okay with him. Uh, I, I think what's what's his ADB? I mean, is he like wide receiver? Like he's going as a four, he's, right? He's late. Yeah, four. Sometimes a five, four. maybe even the fifty. I mean, he's wide receiver 45-ish right, so, range right, on half so, PPR. Yeah. So I think, you you know, if you miss on him, you know, but but that is the, the, the problem with the consistency is is exactly what you're saying, is like picking the week. So maybe a better best ball play than he is a season-long yes, play. And, and, and the, you know, and that's what I was talking about earlier. You know, you, you know, the first half of a draft kind of plays out like a regular redraft. Well, the second half of the draft, we're drafting, oh, Deshaun Jackson, please, yes, you know, late, late <laughs> or whatever. In a place yeah. where you would never take Week him one, him. that's it's all I need. One. Right. That's all I need. <laughs> that's I just all want you're to get. see weeks from him. 
right. week one, maybe week 12, because the rest of them he'll be injured in between. Uh, yes, and that should be the expectation. Yeah. So, so, so thinking, yeah, so I'm fine with guys. I'm fine with players like that if you're drafting them in the right spot. And that's yeah. the key to all of this. Again, the risk is – everyone is a risk, right? It's a, it's a, it's a rough and tumble game. Uh, yes. And uh, so, yeah. you know, and obviously there are players riskier than others, and those players you just shore up a little better. You mitigate a little more. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the last comment I want to make on, on this specific risk topic is, you know, it, it involves the injuries because I know I personally do look into injuries, but then I try to play the what have you done for me lately card too because, you know, Dalvin Cook was an injury concern. Um, he's phenomenal. He's, he's <laughs> proved that he's beyond that. Um, and hopefully he stays beyond it. Um, I probably just ruined Dalvin Cook for everybody this year. I'm sorry. Thanks, AJ. Uh, you have the curse. It, I, I, he has the curse. He's the touch. <laughs> so I anytime think, I, right. I... We started you got a voodoo doll or somewhere. I'm just going to not talk about anybody else that, that <laughs> has come off of injury and performed well. Um, but then you see the guys like... Deshaun, who was productive until he started getting injured and he hasn't been able to kick it yet. I'd love for him to. Um, it's the, the lone Eagles jersey that I have. Le- well, no, I do have a, I have another one too, but that's the one that I usually will wear. And I mean, I wanted them to draft him. It was, right. he was the guy that I was like, you know what? He's talented. He's fast. He can do punts. He can do this. You need this type of a player. Um, so I, I think that's – you can't get too hung up on on the injury stuff anymore. And, I, th- I think what for a player like him, though, you just build it in, right? It's baked oh, into the equation. Yeah, and he's, and he's so, cheap enough. So cheap he's not going to kill anyways. you at this Free point. So. He, I mean, one of he's the many so like, <laughs> recency biased for injury right. that it's like eh, – Okay, fifteenth to last pick. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll find. I'll, I'll take yeah, a flyer. Exactly. On I mean, you know, there's a there's a wide range of these free square players that I'm happy to take in best ball late last couple rounds. He is like the top of that heap. Yeah. So with that said, thinking about everything that that we've talked about here tonight uh, in the last hour and yep. just over. Um, I mean, do you have any kind of strategy differences between a 10-team draft, a 12-team draft, a 14-team draft, just in general, not not like a King's Classic draft, but yeah, that's, that's a whole different animal. Um, I think every time I drafted a 10-team league, I think I'd love it because everyone, you know, it's just, I mean, I you know, I, I prefer a little more challenging, but I, I mean, they're, they're out there, right? And uh, when I play in them, I just think, wow, every team is great. This is going to be fun. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the strategy changes in that I like am much less worried about quarterback, much less worried about the yeah. onesie positions in a ten team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know it it it's it's a it's a big difference. And you know, fourteen I think is a big difference too. I mean, I'm you know twelve yeah. is the is the, the lane I drive the, in, but fourteen standard, I, but... I feel fine with. Uh, it's ten that I get a little like. Wow, why am I getting this guy here? Okay, yeah, we're all getting great yeah. guys. Right. I question every pick. Like, okay, okay, all right, yeah, I'll I'll do this too. Um, baseball's even worse, but like I want to get in one of these six-team underdog leagues right now. Got, you got to <laughs> yeah. get yourself into a thirty-two-team league with oh, IDP. 
I'm in that. I'm. I have one. Of those <laughs> are you? Days. Are you He's in one of those? Fifty oh, teams. God, yeah. so I'm sure he doesn't want to Two copies of every drafts, player. There's got to be at least six of those. So, right. Um, two, two copies of every player. Exactly. Yes. Oh no! The the one that I did last year was a, an opening year for it, and it was no copies of players. So that was a deep dive. Thirty-two uh, teams, no copies. Yeah. Nope. So I do a 32-team league. Uh, the Diehards Dynasty League is a 32-team league. Two 16-team divisions, two copies of every player, yes. full IDP, 50-man rosters, the whole nine wow. yards. But we have two copies. See, that would be that would be a, a lot of fun because the one that that I was in, and, and it was that one was a lot of fun. I really did enjoy it. Um, it was actually one of my favorite leagues last year because the IDP scoring. I mean, you have to to just jack it up to make it worthwhile. Make and we the value third... equal out, right. Exactly. Yeah, we did a third round reversal. Um, yeah, so that helped me. That helped me because I was at the end of the first round. So I was like, oh, great, okay. But I had three picks right there, and then I traded a bunch of my other picks. And, you know, it turned out to be a decent enough team. I I, uh, I did like the league, but it, it kind of folded. So, you know. It happens, but I, it does. Yeah, I, I like the idea of the 16 because I have seen that too on, on your site. And I was like, yeah, why didn't we do it this way? <laughs> this yeah, this would have been nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one quick last thing here about the differences between the, and this is just something I noticed because I'm not in a lot of 14 draft, 14 team drafts. Just from watching the King Classic draft that you were in uh, this past weekend, uh, I think you noticed that. The running backs fly off a lot earlier than than even in just your twelves. Um, right, you still get your you still get your you know your your Kelseys up there, um, but the the running backs through like the first two rounds, poof, everybody was gone. Like all those top guys were gone. The FOMO like, is so real. fast. And I mean, and I get it. You know, by the time it comes back around mid third round, it's like. Man, it's already a pick like forty. It feels like you know, it's like it's crazy. So it's just you know, it's, it's a lot. Um, so before we let you go, Bob, had a great great show. I'm glad to have you on. Uh, great meeting you this weekend, and I uh, hope to see you there next year as well. Uh, but um, let everybody know. I'm sure they do already, but just remind everybody just in case they don't where they can find you on Twitter and and you know what you got going on in football diehards this year. At Football Die Hard on Twitter, um, Football Die Hard's all our premium contents up. The August update will roll into the Flash update when the regular season starts. Tons of written video, audio content uh, every single day. Uh, so check that out. Check me out on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, multiple nights a week, Football Die Hard shows, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. There'll be another night added. I'll do a couple nights on dirt with Michael Fabiano. When the season starts, we'll be on double dipping on Fantasy Sports Radio and NFL We'll do five hours a night. You'll hate us by the time nice. it's all done. That's no. me and Dempsey. Sunday morning, I'll do the pregame show with Jeff Manns, as usual. Uh, so no shortage of Bob Harris here. Uh, <laughs> and awesome. I'm just taking in limited doses, so be careful with that. No, it's it's all always great content. Thank you so much for uh, for meeting us and coming up and you know interacting with us at the at the draft and at the expo. It was a great time. I'm very looking forward to next year. Um, and uh, thank you for for jumping on and joining us tonight. Absolutely, looking forward to this season. Have me back, damn it! <laughs> yeah, we'll do oh, it. Man. We will. We definitely will. We will. Hit Absolutely, you up. We'll, we'll get you on and uh, 
I don't know. What are you doing for week one? Week two? <laughs> <laughs> are you busy? He, he might be busy on Sunday. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit him up, though. All right. Thanks, I'm Bob. Around. Have a good night, man. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, AJ. Appreciate it. All right, so we did get a question from uh, Samuel here. Uh, do you guys like Brady with an Evans stack, Deontay Johnson and Miles Gaskin, or Kyler Murray, Debo, and Brandon Cooks, full PPR? Ooh, I think I like the Brady side. Yeah, I, I think I would go with that. I think I like the Brady side. I think you're getting a yes. lot more value there. The Cook side scares me Gaskins still. Or Kyler, oh. Debo, and Brandon Cook. So I think I think Gaskins is with the Brady side here. So it's Brady, and then Evans, Dante, and oh, and then God, it's God, or God. Murray. Yes. So like that's the or that's like the, the separate read. side of it. Yes. Um. um yeah. I'm I, I'm going with the Brady side there. Uh, that that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah, do you I mean, differ? It's, no, it's four players to three. So it's not I, even just Kyler, that. It's just I, I just think that's the better I mean, side. Kyler, in my Kyler's opinion. great because of yeah, I love it. The running, but, but he's not Debo. He doesn't outweigh all the rest of those guys. No, no, Deontay. If he can learn how to catch a ball, oh, he just he, has Evans. Okay, people. so all right, all right. So it's so it's Brady, uh, Deontay, and Gaskin. He has Evans or Murray Debo Cooks. I love Debo, but man, he's such an injury risk. I still think I go. I still think I like Miles Gaskin over Cooks, and yeah, I, I'm I mean, kind of fifty fifty on Johnson Debo. Ball, so yeah, I, I, I think I, that. I think I, I think I go with the Brady side still. It's close though. Yeah. So I, I agree. Good luck, Samuel. Thanks, um, Samuel. Debo gonna be a beast. I know. <laughs> I get it. Um, I just need, we just need, we just need him to stay healthy. Injury. Again, we just talked about all the all yeah. the injury risk. Like you do, got to knock him down a peg a little bit. He's. he's I get it's right, a tough game right here in that injury bias. So I, I mean, yeah. So <sighs> it is what it is. I had, so I too many ownership shares. I have a few best ball. I think I got him and Scott Fish. <laughs> that draft's been a while. <laughs> uh, it's been, yeah, been, been I, a I few since we've done that one. But uh, anyway, man, let's close this show out. Um, next week, we are going to have Mr. Number One in Season Ranking winner from Fantasy Pros, Pat Fismorris, uh, talking some rankings review and things like that. Um, so join us next Thursday for that show. And uh, everybody have a good night, and we will see you all later. Football Expo. I'm still tired.